Hello and welcome to the Granta Podcast. I'm Ted Hodgkinson, the online editor, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Claire V. Watkins. Born in Bishop, California, and raised there and in Nevada, her stories have since appeared in the Paris Review, Plowshares, One Story, and Granta. Her first collection of stories, Battleborn, is published in the UK by Granta and by Riverhead in the US. Today we'll be talking about having moments of unexpected revelation in grocery stores, unearthing the ritual in relationships, and dissing the Odyssey a little bit. Claire, thank you so much for joining me. I'm delighted to be here talking to you about your fabulous new collection, Battleborn. Um, I want to begin by asking you about place because it seems to me that often voice, the voice in the stories is deeply connected with with place and it lends the collection this wonderful coherence. Um, I wonder, do you feel um, that this is a sort of series of love letters to the place that you're writing about or do you feel at all a duty to get it right? Um, Yeah, I... I definitely do think of it as a series of love letters to the place. I, I wrote the collection when I, um, I was very homesick. I had left the West for the first time in my life, really. And I was really homesick, and uh, I just would write long, long passages of the landscape that I was dreaming of, you know. Um, so I was afraid a lot of the time that it was sentimental or nostalgic, and I would have to pull it back. There were definitely sometimes I got feedback and people would say, like, maybe you want to put some people in in this valley that you've written for ten pages about. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, people, you know. But I definitely couldn't start a story without knowing where it's set, you know, because I don't know um, who lives there and what they see when they wake up and what trouble they might get into and what's on their mind if I don't know what they see. One of the stories is a series of letters, and just to continue that theme, um, and I think like so many of the c- stories in the collection, it's a story in which you've got someone who he's a compiler of stories himself, and he's tr- putting together stories or trying to sort of dovetail things together that don't necessarily go together sometimes. Um, when you're in, and the archivist as well as a character who's also kind of a compiler. Um, your narrators seem themselves troubled by the idea of, of, of getting a complete picture of what's happening. Does that, does that something that you, you were conscious of when you were mm. putting the collection together? Or? Um, I don't think I was conscious of it. I wouldn't say that, but um, that's very a very, very good reading of the book. I mean, I, I think Flannery O'Connor says that like explaining the, the theme of your work is like explaining a good joke. But I, I will say that like that that's something I'm really interested in is like story making and meaning making as mm. a process and how successful it is or isn't to the characters. And I, I could see that going back, but um, maybe it has to do with this adage that one of my teachers would say, which is you have to know the story your character is, is telling herself. Mm. And we would all kid because she would be so... <clears throat> such a badger about this she would we would say you have to know the story your te- your story your character is telling yourself about the story your character is telling yourself about the story your character is telling yourself you know like it's like <laughs> turtles all the way down yeah. <laughs> so maybe that that seeped 
its way in there too but it is mm. a book largely about like um the stories we tell ourselves the myths we have big huge foundation myths like manifest destiny and then little myths like you know my w- wife left me because um she is a uh, cruel woman mm-hmm. and versus she left me because i wasn't paying attention to her and i was paying attention to my rocks instead right, right? right. things like that yeah <clears throat> Um, and what's so heartbreaking sometimes is that both seem to be true in the stories and you, you sort of show us both the version that the characters are telling themselves and and you suggest that there's another version lingering beyond that which is I think masterfully done I mean in in the story um, in Graceland the final story there's this sense of the mother's um, past is, which is which has this her record collection and books seem to have this totemic power um and yet surrounding that there's this other sense of another life that is suggested by the duration um yeah yeah <coughs> again that's a, just a really good way to put it i shall say yep that's, <laughs> that's right <Ted. laughs> um there was a sense of um wanting to show those two stories like the story of characters telling themselves and also uh, a story that they might not be aware of or in in some of the stories they get closer to realizing that like second truer story you know Mm. like um, in The Last Thing We Need which is told through letters Mm. um, he you know he's writing these letters he's gone out into the desert and found this cache of um, meat and beer and pills and letters mm. and um, he's writing me- his own letters t- and he's telling himself well I just want to s- find out what happened out there naturally mm-hmm. but we learn quickly that he's really looking for something else and I think he that kind of bubbles bubbles up to the surface for him too mm. you know and maybe especially when you when writing about um, you know kind of like this John Wayne masculinity you mm. have to a real um, vulnerability only happens in these kind of for some people at least only happens in these little bubbles, these little bursts you know mm. and you, you, you capture so often the way that that really robust male um, facade can have these, these tiny little chinks in its armour That you, you, I think um, there's a romantic strain in, in your depiction of of some of the male characters, and I'm thinking particularly of that gorgeous scene in, in the first story um, in the casino, and you say that this is what a casino can do to an unlovely man, think what a casino could do to a, to a lovely man. Um, but the men seem always slightly, a lot of them seem as though they are beyond reach, um, and often the moments of kind of humour or slight um, impatience are the ones where they reveal their, their tenderness to the women. Yeah, <clears throat> I do think that it's, um, I o- often find myself saying, I wish there had been a feminism for men, you know? Mm. Like, I wish that it was, um, it seems like right now we're in a moment where it's okay to for women to talk about, like, what does it mean to be a woman? And there, are, we can argue, and we do all the time about, is this thing, are you being a good woman when you do this? Men have a um, a more like inflexible idea. I think masculinity isn't as fluid, isn't as flexible, and so it leaves a lot of men trapped in, 
you know, feeling like they can only be a certain way, and mm. and it, it is a, a performed way. <clears throat> and in in um, this book, I think that that expresses itself in terms of like the I- ideals, like the rugged individual, right? That you would be. Mm. Um, and I, I I think I was just thinking mostly of like the the men in my life, particularly of a, a generation above one above me, my people, men, my parents' age, who it seems to me um, I hardly know, even though I've spent like my whole life with them, and I wonder why that is, you mm. know. And although you could also, of course, argue that I'm just not that good at <laughs> writing men, which has. One of my teachers said when I defended my thesis at Ohio State, he said, um, I have a question. I said, yes, Lee? And he said, what's your issue with men? <laughs> and I was like, you'll have to be more specific, Lee. And this is just about as professional as I expected this meeting would be, you know? But then he went on to say that, you know, that the men were um, kind of neutered often, hmm. you know? But... Um, I hadn't thought of them that way, and then and then I, I went and I tried to write the diggings because I wanted to write some like really robust men that were that had um, love between them, like these brothers. Mm. And I don't know if that really worked, but that was kind of where that story came from. Mm. Was that criticism that there weren't a lot of vibrant young men in the collection? I think um, to me there were also some some vibrant young men in Virginia City, um, perhaps not with quite as much love between them but they certainly seemed <coughs> to be you know a lively crowd they didn't seem to be stick men at least uh, yeah 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 I mean I, I hope they're not stick men but I think even even Danny in Virginia City is kind mm. of getting moved around mm. I mean it's partly a story about when the, the the day that he says I'm not being moved around anymore like I'm not your paper doll anymore right. like he has these two women in his life who are kind of tussling for him and and this is a story where he kind of makes a decision and no one really likes it that he does, you know. They realize that that being in flux was really important to their dynamic, Mm. I think. But isn't the problem not just that that it's hard to find those moments of interiority or or, um, vulnerability with men? Women, too, find it hard to sort of forge a sort of solidarity towards one another, don't they? I mean, that, that, that feels very true to life as well and that there are often in the stories there's this possibility um, I'm thinking of the gorgeous story um, with the the dancers and the, the who are sort of um, essentially um, you know sex workers in, in a sense um, but they they um, there's there's always the promise of there being great great solidarity there mm-hmm. um, and yet they are at the same time they're most competitive and and you know they want they want the guys to come to them uh-huh. they, that's that's the ultimate sort of yeah. that's what they're after yeah yeah there's like that 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 moment when they the two women dye their hair together mm. the same color mm. and and that happens that there's like an echo of that later not to explain my own joke or anything <laughs> but there's like the the two sisters dye their hair together later in the sun mm. in um the archivist but the, the the women, the prostitutes at the Bunny Ranch, they dye their hair together, and it's supposed to... I mean, that's that could be, like, a really touching, tender kind of, like, com- communion together, right? Mm. We want to look more... We want to look like each other, but in fact, it, it makes the one realize that she's 
she gets starts to be mistaken for the other's mom and she's really hurt by this you know and and there are I think a lot of moments like that I mean everybody in the book I think is looking for to connect with people you mm -hmm. know um that's kind of what makes them move if they move at all some of them just stay in the bathtub <laughs> <laughs> Mario Tenenbaum style you know <laughs> <laughs> but they they also seem to move in and out slightly in and out of each other's stories as well there's they're slightly unruly. I like I like the way that they 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 sort of threaten to to kind of move into the next scene. Some of these characters, and um, you just mentioned the kind of crossover into the archivist. From the, I wonder w when you're writing a story, especially when you're kind of assembling a collection like this. Do you do you find someone just comes in the side door and they they you recognise them from before? Is that because it feels to me like these these characters are very much in the in a neighborhood of stories and that they they can move quite quite easily between them um i think that I, I that probably is um a side effect of the fact that i didn't want to write um a linked collection of stories that were linked in a more um literal way hmm. right like even though there are there are so many that i really really admire but I've always felt like, um, you know, the phenomenon in a linked collection where, you, like, Louise Erdrich is probably my favorite living writer. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe uh, Joan Didion or Louise Erdrich. Oh. Tied. Yeah, tied. <laughs> I, now I'm just going to go on. But no. anyway, so she, <coughs> all of her characters coming in and out of books, and all the books have the family trees, and it's a really, um, they, uh, it's like they're making cameos, you know? And mm -hmm. I really like that because it feels, and Vonnegut does it too, right? It's mm -hmm. kind of like this moment where, in Vonnegut's case, he's sort of winking at you, being like, remember this guy? You remember Kilgore Trout? Like, mm -hmm. here he is again, you know? Uh, and in Louis Erdrich, it's more about like the, her worldview, I think. And I thought that maybe my worldview didn't quite sustain a linked collection because that could be kind of quaint. I mean, to think about someone who lives on the edge of the Black Rock Desert, literally bumping into someone who lives in Las Vegas is just ridiculous in the first place. They just live really, really far away. Yeah. Like, that's yes. never gonna happen. <laughs> but there are these echoes. Like, they're, they're still, like you said, kind of, um, I don't know, maybe there it, it is a little world that has its own archetypes, and there's like, okay, we've, we, I don't want to, you know, say we've seen this guy before, but Mm. There are, um, I don't know, kind of these like threads that go through. Mm. But I didn't. I wasn't really that aware of that, honestly. I just it just happened, and then I kind of played it up once I assembled them all together. Mm. Um, you mentioned that you'd been away from where a lot of the stories are set, and I wonder did that free up the possibilities of writing about it? Because you know, when you're when you're in a place, sometimes it might be overwhelming to to put it down on paper, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it absolutely did. It, it actually never occurred to me to write about Nevada when I lived in Nevada. I wasn't writing about it at all. I, I, I mean, maybe a little tiny bit, but mostly I was writing about like, Hawaii because mm. a lot of my family myths have to do with Hawaii. I'd heard a lot of stories about it, and so I had like the distance from that. And, and I'd also never really been anywhere else. So when I went to Ohio, it was the first time that it occurred to me that I, I mean, I was homesick, but it also was the first time that it occurred to me that people were interested in it, you know? Because you're always, you get to grad school and you're saying, I'm from here, and this is what it's like there, and um, it was, um, I don't, so I, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that it was an interesting place, like, until mm. I talked to someone from New Jersey, and she'd be like, I'm sorry, 
what? You had pet burrows? Could you just back that up? And I'm like, yeah, what? Like, you didn't have pet burrows, you know? Or like, or I would say things like, you know how when you're driving and you have to stop for a tortoise? And they're like, no, no, I don't know that at all. Like, I'm like, yeah, and you have to carry the tortoise across. It's migrating, blah, blah, blah. So it, like, denaturalized all of this stuff mm. for me. And then I thought, like, well, um, maybe it is a strange and, like, uh, dramatic place after all. Mm. And I guess that starts to reflect as well, not just on the, 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 the kind of flora and fauna of a place, but also on relationships as well, because you start to encounter how strange, you know, fa family myths, which feel like they're such a so central part of the book, and the way that you um, suddenly see them in context of other types of family myths, and the, the ways in which those things can be both deeply true and um, feel very elaborate or, or, or strange when you're in a new context. Um, is that, did that happen to you as well? Was that part of the... Um, well, fam family myths are kind of, I mean, th the way, like, the most obvious way that I'm, I'm thinking about them in the book is in the first story, Ghost Cowboys, mm. right? And that's kind of about, like, the foundation myths. And, it, it, and among other things, one of the things that it's kind of doing is it's sort of a little, like, um, like an Ars Poetica or a little key, like a legend, and you can read the mm. rest of the collection in light of what you've read there like everything that's happening in the collection happens in that story and it sort of says like here's what we're up to and it's about um the story we tell ourselves you know like here's the beginning or is this the beginning or is this the beginning and then you it's kind of revealed that mm. um there's this character who's looking around her to like all the cultural detritus in her case it has to do with the manson family right like mm -hmm. cnn videos and um you know, books like Helter Skelter and feel asking, like, who am I, or who was my father, and therefore who am I, and um, coming coming up short, you know. not a, a lot of people are making that search in the book, kind of looking around, asking questions of old movies or record collections, rock collections, um, but I don't think, I think it wouldn't be honest, at least in my worldview, if they figured it out at the end you know yeah you mentioned Flannery O'Connor and I think to me one of the the one of the sort of guiding spirits that I saw here was through Flannery O'Connor um um Gogol in the way that he kind of focuses on the provincial and and provincial I mean in the sense that it's kind of out of the way and it's not New York and it's not um, Washington but mm -hmm. the um small town life as a way of unlocking the greater myths about a country, uh, and um, America is a country with with uh, with a with a great flaming myth um, to it. And you you do approach there's um, there are moments where you 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 really reach for um, uh, an essence, or you, you there's there's um, that really extraordinary closing line. Um, I've forgotten which story it is, but that the, the um, becoming America. There's, oh, um, yeah. and you, you go straight for it um, in that moment but it's, it comes from the provincial in the way that, that Gogol and Flannery O'Connor also approach the underbelly of 
that American myth. I mean, do, obviously you don't sit down and now I'm going to do the great <laughs> American myth story. But, you now know. to tackle the underbelly of the great American yeah. myth. Yeah. <laughs> Page one. Yeah. yeah. To-do list for today. <laughs> today. Yeah. But that explains why I don't write that often. Yeah. <laughs> That's on my to-do list. Does, does that surprise you when, you when you find yourself writing in that mode, that you, you've, you've suddenly approached this, this great theme and you do it so... Um, you you do it so effortlessly and without any kind of um, you know you don't sort of turn your voice doesn't sort of start to boom and <laughs> here we go. And, um, um, hmm. Does it surprise? I don't think. I mean, I don't think so. I never ever set out to do that, mm. right? To to like tackle these things. I just think that they're on people's minds. You know, like mm. we um, like our. I mean, our myths, like our origin stories, right? Like you, you have a story of um, how you were born, and I bet when you tell that story, you're like, there's something like essence of Ted in that story. Like I, uh, you know, like my beloved upstairs, his mm. his middle name was to be Adam. Mm. His name was going to be Derek Adam, mm. and um, his father is a doctor, and his handwriting is so bad that they, they. They thought that it said um, Adan, A-D-A-N, mm. which is a strange name. And mm. I think that, like, from that moment, we're like, oh, yes, he was always the person he was going to be because of that little typo. Now he's this, um, mm. like, strange, kind of interesting, um, nonconformist guy. Right. When he should have, right. he, he might have been a Derek Adam, but now he's a Derek Adon. Right. You know? Right. So anyway, I think that, like, characters are always thinking about um, where they came from so hmm. maybe it sounds weird to think but I do think that like two fr friends who go up to Virginia City they'll be thinking about Mark Twain because they yeah. know you know like Mark Twain was there and or you know you drive over Donner Pass and you think like oh Donner Pass like, people mm. froze to death and, and ate each other here mm. and then you t sort of turn to your companion in the car and yeah. that's kind of it it I think that that John Freeman said um, that it was like the not a the landscape's not a character and it's not like a, a setting it's um, the context in which everything happens mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. and the myths are part of that right like mm -hmm. so if it's Charles Manson or John Sutter like I think that you have those things on your mind right. I, at least I do what do I know I don't know <laughs> but yeah that's interesting and I think one of the parts, one of the major parts of that context, we mentioned objects and things and record collections and, and rocks, and I wonder, um, perhaps they're not characters, maybe that's sort of an easy conflation, you know, but I wonder when characters are trying to understand their background and their provenance, um, music particularly seems like a way of unlocking those things. I mean, do you... And, you know, we have to... I'm talking about Foundation Myths of Me. Um, Dumbo was very uh, formative. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I think that it's fascinating in that story, the way that the character... I, I felt as well, um, going through that with her, that there was what... You know, Dumbo's a very strange movie. And when you watch it when, again when you're older, you think, what is going on here? Yeah. There's, there's a 20-minute sort of drug-taking sequence <laughs> in the middle of it, and I thought, wow. This right, and there's the whole, like, racial undercurrent, and you're like, right. yikes. Yeah, oh. yeah mm -hmm. dodgy. And mm -hmm. a lot of, um, 
a lot of things that Disney has to answer for. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I wish they made movies like that still. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's um, and I think um, it's interesting how um you you approach those those things as kind of a kitty of self knowledge as well of as well as like they're not just part of the context. So I mean, mm-hmm. in the story, the last thing we need, um, the um, the the letter the guy who discovers the pills who discovers the meat they're sort of like sacred objects aren't they in a way mm-hmm. yeah and, and he even um has to account for what he did with the plastic bags he's like i, mm. I just want you to know that i took your bags and i recycled them mm. because it didn't feel right you know and um yeah i mean i think that like <clears throat> maybe this is um i don't know revealing of my lacking education but I don't feel like like when we talk about like foundation myths Mm. I don't ever say to myself like you know what I feel just like Odysseus right now like I'm just walking (laughs) around or I'm not like you know with my sister and I I'm like this is a real Cain and Abel situation (laughs) no it's like you're like Paul Simon and I'm like Art Garfunkel and like fuck you you know (laughs) pretty much right like I think that it's like poppy earth it's it's whatever's around you so like at the at the bunny ranch when the prostitute's watching public access and she's watching um, Fred Astaire like yeah. do some dancing and that's not what she, I mean she just is watching what she literally the only thing that's on TV at that point and, and of course she's, she like projects herself onto it and back you know she's thinking she's going to be whisked away to a foreign land and um, then this gay madam is coming in to say you know not so fast but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, so maybe that this was just me doing, having my characters do what I do in my head, which is that our myths are more like pedestrian. They're they're like Dumbo and um, you know Paul Simon. Yeah, but then d- these these figures loom much larger than Odysseus in some ways. I mean, you know, we we don't um, uh, you know those things are there if if you if you look for them, but they're. You, you can't really avoid Paul Simon. I mean, yeah, he's he's yeah. he's Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I I I don't want to knock the Odyssey, but like, there's like you get these moments of revel- revelation. I think in like the grocery store aisle, mm. you know, and it's like some crummy pop song, but you're like, this means something to me now, yeah. you know. And I'm I guess I'm more interested in in that in that moment than. Or, or kind of the way that I mean, there is the Odyssey is in in the book. I should I shouldn't be so hard on it. But yeah, um, yeah, but I think you capture really well the way that those seemingly trashy things um, can be really a part of a character's ritual. You know, like a part of a character's daily um, life. And 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 um, um, there's a character who's who's going through some heartbreak, uh, and you, he's sort of piecing together. Uh, a relationship among the stories and I think you, you even use the word at one point, he's not hankering after the heartbreak and the pain he's, he's missing the ritual oh, of, yeah. their, of their <coughs> relationship and, and that can include those seemingly, you know um, that, that can include those moments in the right. supermarket yeah, yeah, so like when, um, when when we are heartbroken or when we're needing something it's usually like Reese's peanut butter cups and wine and uh, you know cigarettes or something like it's not I don't I don't I don't know 
maybe it's my public school education, but I don't have, like, a grandiose sense of, like, the human experience, I guess. Mm. Even though I am really interested in the the big myths and the big stories, but I, mm. I'm interested in how they manifest, like, get expressed on, on with a, a person, like, in your heart. Um, wonderful. I think that's kind of a, a great place to, to um, end, but... Thank you so much for talking to oh, me. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. It's a pleasure.